Welcome, dirty peasants, to episode 30 of Wartwood Gazette, the Amphibia podcast. This week we'll be covering Amphibia Season 3, Episode 6, Mr. X and Sprig's Birthday. I'm your host, Thumbaticon, and joining me today we have... Pickle. Hey. Pixels. Hey, everybody. And Nick. What's up? Thanks, guys, for coming on, and... I guess the only news we got this week was that the first five episodes of Amphibia Season 3 have hit uh, Disney Plus US and, uh, I guess, Canada by extension. Uh, were there any other regions where it got released as well? Not that I heard of. We'll see that there's, like, most regions are not getting Disney at all. <laughs> so, coming soon, So, which is pretty bad. Yeah, it's one day. Sucks. Like, for older shows, like, do they have all the episodes up in those regions? Like, Gravity Falls and Starverse? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't have much experience with myself since I watch this stuff primarily for cable. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're actually <laughs> counted. <laughs> <laughs> In Disney by Disney's book, anyway. Yes. <laughs> but I guess we can go right into the first segment of this episode, which was Mr. X. It was directed by Roxanne Cole, written by Adam Colas, and storyboards by Cassie Zwart and Imbal Breda. So the episode starts immediately with uh Mr. X and his, I guess, assistant or coworker Jenny, inside like a secret ice cream truck, uh, or an ice cream truck that's like dis- that's a front for their their operations. Uh, Mr. X is like reviewing all the photos that they saw uh, on that highway chase that occurred last week's episode and Sterminator. Uh, eventually, they like get a close-up read, and then at the same time, they just by coincidence want to like pick up some Thai food, and then they happen to find the Boon Choi's restaurant. Uh, so they drive, they go down there, we cut to the planners uh, in the kitchen helping the Boon Choi's. They're, the parents are pumped up after they like helped destroy Cloakbot last week. And they're kind of like excited for like another like fight. But then Anne kind of mentions that like that this is like a like a rest week or this is like downtime and she just wanted to take the planners to the movies. Uh so they head to the movies, uh just learning about the theater, and then it cuts back to Mr. X entering the restaurant. He speaks with Miss Boon Choi for a little bit. He speaks a little bit in Thai. Uh she he he tries questioning Mrs. Boon Choi about like about the planners and shows like shows them that blurry screenshot and she kind of has to cover up what she knows. And try like immediately calls Mr. Boon Choi just to bring the food and quickly shoo them out. But then eventually Jenny like barges in, she has a lock on Anna and, and the planner signal, and they quickly rush off to catch up with them. So <laughs> uh Mr. and Mrs. Boon Choi immediately like start tailing them. And they try calling Anne, but Anne's in the middle of the movie, so she doesn't pick up her phone. Oh, they're specifically in the middle of those trailers. Cuts back to that. I guess you could call it a chase, where they're trying to catch up to the like the ice cream truck, but eventually 
Mr. X like pulls out this like random like like Inspector Gadget esque tool that lets them like avoid all traffic and get to the theater faster. So, and and the plan just come out of the theater. Uh, and sees her text from uh, Mrs. Boonchoy, and that's pretty much like their heads up. Uh, they immediately run back into the theater to hide, but Mr. X like follows them in and knows where they are. Uh, we get kind of like a little cat and mouse game. They try to leave that through the main door, but then Jenny's blocking it and like just like pretty much like scanning everyone who leaves. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Boonchoy call, try calling Anne and suggest like they they're gonna come up with a plan, but Anne doesn't want to get them involved. Uh, Mr. Boonchoy ends up calling Anne's grandma. Uh, yeah, it also it cuts it cuts back and forth between Anne like Anne the planners and the parents a lot. Uh, like the Boon Choys have like a plan. Meanwhile, like Anne, Anne and the planners like hide inside like this like storage closet. Mr. X follows them in, but then they have like a little distraction. But at the same time, Mr. X like in the struggle manages to like unmask Hop Hop as like an alien frog before they rush out. And that's when he calls. Like once he can confirm that Hop Hop's like once he can confirm the planners are aliens, that's when he calls in for backup. So we have like SWAT, like not SWAT team, like a bunch of FBI cars like show up, and like they, the planners are cornered in the bathroom, and just when they're about to like storm, like just when they're about to storm the stall, like the the power gets cut, and then, uh, they're replaced with like a bunch of like frogs from like a pet store, which we eventually find out that while all this was happening, Mr. and Mrs. Boonchoy were like actually, they actually like were playing a big role in like saving the day by stalling them on the freeway, getting the decoy pets, uh, like, sabotaging the electrical system. <laughs> and then, of course, they, they planted a tracker on Hop-Hop while he was asleep the other day, and that's how they were able to find them. But then Anne's kind of, like, glad that they were there to help out. And the episode ends with, uh... The episode ends with Polly ripping the, <laughs> ripping the tracker off Hop-Hop and him screaming in agony. So that was that was Mr. X, and I really enjoyed this episode. It was it was nice to get more screen time from Miss from Mr. and Mrs. Boonchoy, like seeing them like interact with the cast a lot more. The jokes were pretty funny. RuPaul as Mr. X is like really interesting, especially with like his banter with like Jenny as well as like with the Anne and the planners as well. I really liked all that. And I'm hoping he makes another appearance again. But, I mean, I assume he will, but the way they ended it off with, like, all the FBI agents just laughing at him for the, for, like, that decoy they pulled off at the end. But I guess starting with, starting with Nick, what were, what were your thoughts on this segment? Um, overall pretty fun. I liked how it carried over sort of the developments we got in Amsterdam, so it was pretty nice to see... Um, Mrs. and Mr. Boonchoy just ready to really get more active with, um, I guess, like, don't know how to perfect word it, but I guess, like, and struggles with, like, the planter. So that was pretty neat. Um, I thought this was a pretty great introduction for Mr. X, right? Like, I had a lot of fun just getting a sassy villain like this. So that was pretty cool. Jenny, I was surprised that Jenny turned out to be, like, mute or something. <laughs> like, we, we spent so many months trying to figure out, like, who 
could be the voice actor for Jenny. We just thought like, well, none of them really fit her, do they? Right? Then then it just turns out she doesn't have a voice actor at all. Yeah, she doesn't have an actress yeah. at all. Yeah, that, that was a pretty fun surprise right there. Um, there were a lot. I think there were a good amount of funny moments, especially from the parents here. Like when they... When, when they come in, like, it's just like the last 30 seconds or just something else of them, because it's, it's just funny moment after funny moment of them, you know, when, when they next, when they nest with the light switches, and then when they admit to putting a tracker on Hop Hop, that, that was pretty funny. Um, overall, I mean, I think it, it was just sort of like, it was, a, it was a light episode, but I think it was also just a good episode. And it's nice how it's setting up things later for the FBI, so, yeah, I enjoyed it. All right, thank you, Nick. And yeah, I like that those quick like final gags near the end of the segment where like yeah, it had Mrs. Boochoy on the highway just pulling Domino out of a hat. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty nice. Uh, Pixels, what were your thoughts on the segment? Um, I, it was a very simple episode, and I liked it. I liked how it was. It's very cat and mouse. RuPaul's a really good voice actor. He spoke Thai really good too. I was I was really impressed with how he how fluent he spooked Thai with uh, Mrs. Boon Choi at the restaurant. And uh, <laughs> it was just pretty funny. Um, the I love the jokes about the when they're at the movies with the trailers. <laughs> Here is oh, yeah, a, like the 25 minutes. <laughs> 20, 20 minutes of trailers. <laughs> which I like. What did, what did Hop-Hop say? Like, and you call your... And you, like... You call yourself civilized? Yeah, yeah, you call yourself civilized. <laughs> it was great. And in, in the posters, you can see, like, there's some homages, because I believe there is a Spider-Man reference to it, I believe. Yeah, I think it was, it was Spider-Man, uh... I forgot, it was an actual spider. <laughs> it was just like, you are spider in your home. <laughs> it's spider in your home. There's a Thomas the Tank Engine reference, I think, too. It's a train. There was also... There was a there was a Suspicion Island two two sus poster two sus two sus. I'm sure that it was also in an earlier episode on like a bus or something. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. Yeah, it was like it was on a uh, bus. Yeah, right. Yep. All in all, it was a really great episode. Jenny's mute, but I like it. I like her like that. To be honest, it kind of shows more interest. Um, they're really smart because uh, Jenny was like. In the entrance, just scanning people because she because they already have like like info on Anne. They're probably like checking her body and stuff. It's just it's great. I love this episode. Pretty fun. All right, thank you, Pixels. Uh, Pickle, what were your thoughts? Uh, I definitely liked it. I kind of agree. It's like a lighter episode. It definitely had plot. Like it, it set up that whole FBI stuff, but it still, uh, it still kind of felt light and fun. Anyways, I definitely, I really like Mister X. I also like his thing with Jenny, where he kind of talks enough for both of them. Uh, oh yeah, the show is still shitting on Mister Boon Choi all the time. Yeah, the, the yeah. Troy bullying continues. Can't catch a break. Yeah, they're, just catch a break. <laughs> they're just being mean to him for no reason. Poor guy. He's my favorite Boon Choi. Yeah. He is. Yeah, so I guess to start things off, like I wanted to talk about how uh, 
I guess what were what was everyone's thoughts on uh, RuPaul's character with this, like over the top gadgets and like wheelies, <laughs> which like when did when did when were wheelies popular? Like I it's like a, have those. early two thousands, like, early mid to two thousands at least at most. Hmm, my brain's telling me 2016, 2017, 2018 around there because I just remember telling people in high school like. I'd say he does a ton of people in wheelies just falling around like that, so I'm thinking around there. Did people, like, a bunch of people die because of those, though? Really? Whoa! Like, Is not die, get injured. Oh, like, okay. Big roll and, like, trip downstairs. Maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, it, it debuted in 2000. I just, they were banned at my earlier schools. Wow. Oh. Let's see, wait, what was the question again? Wait, what did you say? It's on me there. Yeah, so like, oh, uh, I guess we could talk about... Oh, also, I feel bad for that kid who just wanted the ice cream. Oh, yeah. But I love the gag because the door wouldn't close. <laughs> he got stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but yeah. really, shout out to RuPaul. He's a he's really he's a really good voice actor. He brings that enthusiasm to it, which I like. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that was yeah. I mean, yeah, he was pretty. He was pretty good this episode. Yeah. I, I'm not. Sure, I mean, I don't. Know if it's just, is this his first voice acting experience? Actually, because I mean, let me see. I just want to check and see if he's ever been on any other team. Okay. Yeah, I, I think this might be... Yeah, this is definitely one of those... Yeah, I guess he's not too experienced working in animated TV shows, but, like, yeah, I, I, was, yeah, I was super pleased with everything going on here. Like, I really oh, did yeah. feel like... I really did feel like Mr. X is a fun character here. I, 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 do, yeah. I really do like the fact that he's, like, super obsessed with, like, extraterrestrial stuff, so that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um... I, I like his relationship with Jenny, you know, they're sort of, I mean, they're, they're friends, and he likes to be playful for her, so that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I mean, I don't know what else to say about Mr. X, but I think, I think we, we, we didn't really, you know, we, we didn't get a whole lot from him, but I, I do, I, I think we're, we're basically getting another, like, overarching villain, right? Like, we just took care of, like, Frobot, now we're moving in on to way, this. In a way, yeah, because, uh, yeah. Um, My guess is, uh, probably a little bit later, he'll either be more, like, lax as a villain, not showing up as often, or end up fighting with them against Andreas or something. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> he seems too goofy and silly to stay, like, a major... Yeah, God. Yeah. I was, I was thinking, back in the trailer, we did see uh, Anne and this blue-haired girl kick in the door... Which makes me think that maybe Mr. X probably captured one of the planters and took yeah, it to think- a lab. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I'm thinking maybe because because it seems like um, Amphibia really is trying to transition over to a more like to like a different. I mean, I, I, I mean, they're not exactly a villain, but you guys know what I mean. Like, I, let's just say overarching antagonist. But like, yeah, I, I think they he might come back in um, Hollywood Hop Hop. Like around there in a song. Like, this is just my prediction. I'm guessing like maybe they kidnap Hop Pop in that episode, and then they'll need to rescue them. And um, what was it called? Like if you give a frog a cookie, like you said. So I'm thinking maybe uh, something like that. 
Oh yeah. I'm trying to think. Where are the where are the other voice actors that were announced for season three? Because I know we met Whoopi one. Goldberg. Yes. Oh, I can't wait for Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> yeah. I know there's Kate Kate McCucci, Then there's uh, Cree, yeah, Cree Summers. Like she was a surprise. Like she wasn't initially announced, but uh, it looks like that. She, it looks like she's coming in if you if she's coming in too, if you give a frog and cookie. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I thought it came. I thought uh, I thought Kay Mikuchi was the uh, um, was the blue haired girl. Oh yeah, the blue haired girl. Yeah, I think she's going to be. We, we don't have. Oh, we don't. Yeah. Have, we don't have a direct confirmation yet, but it, it is looking like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have like we're almost we're have like three episodes left. Season yeah, three episodes left. Hey. And then it goes into a hiatus probably for until next year. Probably at the same time the Owl House Season 2B will probably start. So it'll be a good back. Um, yeah, back. That's, that's what it's looking like, I guess. Yeah. Based on the times and how it's gonna how it plays out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. I like a... Hmm. I like the design of Mr. X. It's like, it's almost not too serious, but he likes to be playful sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's what you have to Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, his dialogue, too, is very, uh, come on. Let's have fun. It's like, like he, it's like he wants to play with them. Yeah, yes. yeah. That, that's something I do like about him. It's like, the fact, I mean, he's only so playful just because he's extremely confident, right? Like, oh, yeah. he's really confident in his own abilities and not like that, you know? Like, it was just a nice blend between a playful villain and um, also an intimidating one. Because, I mean, Christ, I mean mm-hmm. they, they had that, he had that stun gun, right? Like, <laughs> like, like, like that Andreas. Looked more, that looked more deadly than just, I don't know, it was paralyzing <laughs> someone for a second. Like, that looked, that looked so violent. Amphibia is pretty good with Oh, you go ahead. So he pretty turned like he turned like batshit crazy when he got when he, he got that uh, stun gun. I don't want to call it a stun gun at that point because I can see the crazy voltage on that. It's probably gonna like kill someone. We got, uh, but go ahead, Pickle. I think you were gonna say something. Yeah. And maybe it does pretty good with playful villains. It definitely uses a lot of them. Andreas. Mr. X, even uh, Grime kind of later in the show when he wasn't no longer, like non-season one Grime was more of a villain yeah. type. Yeah. Is a villain's done right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they never, even they never failed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you know too. Like, they, they never yeah. do fail at that, you know? Like, they... True. Even so, they, they let these villains have a goofy side to sort of, like, humanize them in a way. At the yeah. same time, like... They never take away how intimidating they can be, right? Yeah. Like that, that's never dropped. Like the show, I, I think Amphibia really does well balancing two of the, like both of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they do good with that. With they still have that goofy side. I think they did that well in introducing Mister X with him being all like snazzy and fun, but still telling a kid to go fuck himself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. Like he's yeah, he's snazzy, <laughs> sassy, fun, but at the same time he's very like competent of his work here, right? Like he's not someone you you're gonna be you should be messing with for that. And I like that about him. 
Yeah, I do. Um, I like the big kind of. Yeah, I like the setting of where the cat and mouse game takes place because you never see it in a movie theater. You kind of like see it at a school, like at a mall or something, but never at like a movie theater, especially with like how peaceful and quiet it is. Uh, but I'm not even sure if the movie theater is located at the mall. Look like it. Actually, it might be because there are movie theaters that has like that kind of presence. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. There are movie theaters that can be a mall, but I don't think this one was, you know, was in one was it? Because I wasn't really paying attention, but yeah, I don't think it was. Hmm. Oh yeah, right. Um, I mean, so how did you guys feel about the bin choices episode? <laughs> Good choice, are great. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Toys are always great. Just... I like that they're kind of. I kind of like that their sort of incompetence was the focal point this episode, with them like mm-hmm. being weak and then specifically failing at electricity. <laughs> oh like, yeah. They're sort of all their like all their flaws were what exactly made them work well this episode. Yeah, they know. Yeah, they know how to make good use of that. That was just pretty cool. Yeah, it definitely highlighted Anne's little. Uh, I don't know if it's the A plot or B plot of her being like, "Oh, my parents can't do anything. I should keep them out of this." Mm-hmm. It's almost uh, reverse in a way because in in the first episode, it was mostly you know the mom and dad trying to protect Anne, but. In this episode, it's mostly Anne protecting the parents, especially what happened last episode. Yeah. Although I, I think that if there, if Anne was going to take away anything from last episode, it would be, oh, my parents are a lot stronger than I thought, which is a little bit weird. Continuity <laughs> wise. I mean, yeah. 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 I think it's. I, I yeah. guess it sort of makes sense for me because I, I, I feel like. She didn't really get the chance to get too comfortable with them since, like, the whole situation in Nance Sturman was sort of forcing her. So, so I guess she was still sort of trying to get used to it, right? Like, just having them involved in this kind of thing. Because, like, when she originally got here, she wasn't planning on, like, you know, even letting them in on anything. Yeah. Yeah. She's a little bit more open now. Yeah. I mean, they know about her okay. powers, but they aren't, they aren't pressuring her to tell them. They, she, they know she's gone through a lot, and they're letting her. Tell them, tell them at her own pace. Yeah, that's pretty nice. I'm just, I'm just really glad that we're getting cartoon parents like this because, like, usually oh, yeah. they're just like, usually the dad, he's, you know, he's dumb, fat, <laughs> and obnoxious, and the mom's like naggy, uh, I don't know, spiteful, annoying. But like, you know, these two, they really just have their own personalities, and you can really see like how they're an actual couple. You know what I mean? You can really see how yeah. they bounce off of one another here. Like they're not constantly fighting, not constantly biting in each other's throats. Like they, they really just feel, feel like a married couple instead of like, I don't know, like a stereotype of one. Uh huh. All right. I like that. Uh, they're also, I don't know if this was purposeful or not, but they have parallels to Sasha and Marcy with Ms. Boon oh, really? being like really into rock and all aggressive and stuff, and then Mr. Oh, Boon yeah. being the, the gamer nerd who's a little bit weak. Who <laughs> lost a tail? Oh, pretty- <laughs> lost battle. That's pretty cool. That's a good comparison, actually. I haven't thought uh, about it like that. Yeah, I never thought of it. Yeah, I didn't think about it either. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Oof. Phoebe likes to do comparisons of a lot, I see. 
Yeah, there's. I, I feel like half the parallels you could find in this show are like <laughs> they're unintended, but they still work. Somehow. I know. Like, I know. They still really work somehow in the show. That yeah. is so because I feel like Matt is trying to be tricky on purpose, but he wants us to like, like you know, figure all this stuff out. And I like that about. And I like that a lot. Jesus, we're like. Halo Room was halfway done with season three by November because run to six. I'm trying to figure out which episodes are going to be the like tonally off episode because we're kind of coming to the end of episode yeah, 15 a- just yeah, getting started to it. <laughs> Yeah, at this point, I, I have no clue anymore. I'm just, I'm keeping hands off of that. I'm, I'm, I'm just... I feel like the next few episodes are going to get more story. Yeah, more which the... story. Yeah, so we're getting like closer. And Olivia. Yeah, right. That's yeah, a that one's big one. We're gonna, that's a big one. We're going to talk about next week. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're yeah we're getting closer and closer to the mid season finale. So I think things are really just going to start because it's like, what the twenty sixth. Hyping up. Yeah, so if, if it's anything. We're about three weeks away from the 10th. Or is it 9? Yeah, Frog a Little Christmas is on the 27th. Uh, or is that what you're asking about? Yeah, is that episode 9 or 10? I think that's episode 9. Oh, so... Yeah, just, just 9 episodes for this first half. Okay, it's pretty nice. I'm not ready. Hmm. You know what I, and you know what I mean by that. Yeah. I'm not ready. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> I'm not ready. Is anyone ready? No, they're not ready. People who say that they're ready are not people. Because you can't say that to a 13-year-old girl who's going to get corrupted by an amphibian demon. Because let's be fair, that's Cthulhu. It's almost Cthulhu at this point. Mother of Olds or something. Oh, God. Uh... Hmm. I'm trying to think of like, what else we can like pick apart for this episode. Cause, I mean, it, it, it's a light one, but I feel like we should still like focus on things. I also feel like it was I a mean, fast-paced, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. I guess for Anne, like, how, how do you guys feel about Anne at this point? Like, now that we're right. six episodes deep, um... The truth is sort of revealed, right? Like, there's no more lying. Anne can start um, putting a little more faith in her parents. Like, how are you guys feeling about her at this point? Um, she's a good protagonist. She has she has a lot of maturity. She knows, yeah, she knows that there's a lot of she has a target on her back, basically. But she'll do anything to uh, protect the planters, but also try to show the planters her lifestyle for once. Also trying to catch up on her own life. Which is pretty great. It's pretty and tricky like for under- writing. It's pretty tricky for writing, to be honest, because you gotta Ooh. focus. You, have to, you need to have a good set of pacing, and that's what I kind of focus on when it comes to shows as a whole. It's writing and pacing, and the pacing so far is pretty good. What I'm seeing. So... I mean, how do you feel about Anne Pickle? Uh, I like, uh, I mean, she's under a lot of pressure right now. She has to deal with 
I mean, they kind of said it all in the first episode with her stating off all the things she has to do and then doing that awkward face. And she still has, she still hasn't totally exposed everything. I mean, it's, she said no more lying, but she hasn't talked right. about it. So that's kind of a, a painful, a, a painful plot hole in this season right now is the fact that they haven't yet mentioned Sasha or Marcy. Right. Like, what about their parents? Aren't they, aren't they worried at all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think some of us kind of thought that Dr. Dan was good. Because, I mean, it was so early, even before season three, like, the stuff was going to come out. I mean, there's like a theory, you know, oh, Dr. Jam adopted Sasha. Because <laughs> Sasha had that attitude of being like the bad girl. In the hair thing. Yeah. With the, with the ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was a dumb fun theory. <laughs> it, yeah, it was. Yeah. But, yeah, we haven't seen any of their parents. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. maybe the second half, but... Well, I, I, I just... to... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. They have to mention something. They can't just leave yeah. them open. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think at some point we're going to get to them, but I guess... You have to. I'm just thinking it's because... I'm sort of seeing it from Anne's perspective here because I mean, I, I, you, the fact you, it's just something you brought up earlier right now, Pickle. Like when you mentioned how Anne doesn't completely hold them everything. I feel like it's still sort of like the pressure she's feeling from episode one that's still like clawing away at her somehow. You know, like I, I feel like what we're seeing here is that Anne she's still like not like she's still not quite ready to just unload all of this, I guess, in a way. Like, I'm not really sure how to put it in words yet, because I haven't, really, <laughs> I haven't had the time to think about it that much, but I, th- I think even so, yeah, the truth is still all out there, like, you know, she's still, she's not, she's not too great at processing all this. I'm not, I'm not really she trying to put it perfectly, but well, like that. How is she going to process it all at once? Because she, I feel like, I like how they're doing it, because she's like, in a way, doing it piece by piece. That first episode was like a first piece of it. That I think last week, or there's a prior episode, there's like another piece she was trying to hide. And then when it came to that junkyard scene, she kind of said more about what was going on and, and why that robot attacked them. So, but I feel like it's going to... Maybe the season, maybe the Christmas episode would probably like maybe and trying like saying the whole thing, especially with what happened to Marcy and stuff. So like Christmas is when she like finally like, but right, right. We still don't know if Anne told them about Marcy and Marcy's condition. Uh, or Sasha. Yeah, we. The story yeah. she gave them was that, you know, they were, they finished charging the box and they opened, but oh no, it was Anne and the Planters that got transported instead of the three girls. And then she opened up that apparently she had she had powers and she had punched the king in the face, but they still, unless they were telling them stuff off screen, which I really hope they didn't do. That would be yeah. like that would be I don't think they did. I think. 
we still haven't really gotten that conversation of Anne just, you know, sitting. I mean, we really need a conversation. Just the idea that Anne just, like, finally unloading all everything that happened. We still haven't really had any hints of that happening at all. And I think, like, and I guess it might have not happened between Anne Stormer and Mr. X, because it looks like Anne's powers, like, really drained a lot out of her. So, like, I'm, ge- I'm, ge- I'm guessing, like, these episodes basically happened, like, like, I'm guessing Mr. X literally happened, like, the day after or something, right? Like, Anne got yeah. a full night's rest in Anne's Terminator, then, like, woke up, they went to Tygo, and then they decided they were going to go watch a movie or something. I mean, I'm, th- I'm thinking, like... Yeah, that's what it looks like, because, yeah. like, Anne's parents are still, like, pumped up after that, after what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they haven't... Like, these characters... I mean, I'm just seeing this from, from Anne's perspective. We already we know that she's a type of, like, you know compartmentalize all this stuff, right? Like, put it away, not focus on it, and just have her mind be taken by other things. So, I'm just... Keep myself sane. Keep myself, like, from stop... From like, Keep myself from, like, not always asking where Sasha, how Sasha and Marcy are doing or where their parents are. I was just try to look at it through Anne's eyes here, because what we know about her, she's obviously going to try and, like, avoid subjects like that, right? She hates feeling uncomfortable with those type of things, right? I mean, we saw that back in Reunion, um, the first temple. So I'm just thinking... Uh, so I'm just thinking that. It's how, it's how I would keep myself sane. Yeah. I do kind of feel like the, the final three, two, three episodes are going to, like, be more serious. So... That definitely does sound like what Amphibia has done in the past, which is totally amping things up all of a sudden. <laughs> Yo, Mishay, Mishay's been doing that previous seasons. She's been doing in season one, they did in season two as well. So. Yeah, Amphibia loves the suddenly hit it into overdrive. So, which is great. <laughs> Just good. But at what cost? <laughs> yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it's painful if you watch it weekly. It's painful if you watch it weekly, but if, oh, like, yeah. but if you binge it, you're just like, whoa, holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> Why was anyone even complaining, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it, it, it sucks, it sucks, but, like, it, you know, it, it is what it is, it is what it is. And, this, <laughs> like, for you guys, did it feel like the segment was the, the way the segment ended off felt like the end of the second act, and we were still missing, like, a few more minutes after that, after the end, like, like, everything with, with the, the FBI agents, it felt like it ended so abruptly, like, we were going to get, like, one more scene of, like, one more, like, confrontation. Maybe it's kind of like, this is what the FBI, this is what Mr. X is doing, and maybe, like, when we see, like, ending scenes of other episodes, we'll probably find out, like, oh, he's doing this now, oh god. Because they've been doing it Oh, oh, go ahead. Like, who's going to speak? Uh, I didn't even oh, see. I finished. I finished. Uh, pickle. Oh, I think it was just supposed to be kind of anticlimactic because this isn't the big FBI confrontation. Obviously, this is just their introduction. They're they're going to get to the more intense stuff later. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. This was just supposed to be a tease to them. It's just like how much of a threat they can be. Because I mean, they were really that. They were like just. This, cl- I mean, I guess you guys can't see what I'm doing with my hands, but like, they were super close. Like, I was just like, <laughs> that's the problem with being on podcast. But like, yeah, they, they were super close 
to um you know just capturing them also something mm-hmm. they definitely are something to be aware of yeah and yeah and i'm guessing like they paid they pay voice actors by the day so hopefully like they had rupaul in for a few more lines from other episodes right which i'm pretty excited for because he's a That's good one and it's just Rupa has no voice lines. Sorry, we're gonna be hired him for one day. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Jenny. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I want. I, I, I just. I just wondering, like, how much does it cost to have Rupaul on an episode? Probably a lot, right? <laughs> so the majority of the budget goes to. How oh, much would it cost for Whoopi Goldberg? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, these, Goldberg? Yeah, these guys are gonna be expensive as hell. I think. And in season one, budget went to Lean on Me. Season two went to the Anne versus Andrea's fight scene. Season three, it's all voice actors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just running through the episode. Yeah, just running through uh, what else we have there. Did you guys bring up how, like, Hop Up asked about, like, was this a church? And then Anne just like, yeah, basically. <laughs> That. Yeah, I, I like that, that. I like that line so much. But Christianity <laughs> exists in Amphibia. Good to know. Oh yeah, but it's also pretty. It's also clever in a way because they most most movie theaters have mosaics on the roofs, which I don't know why. To be honest, maybe that those were like churches back in the day or whatever. But I like that touch. I like that touch so much. Uh, we should probably yes. talk about Springsburg. Pardon? What were you going to say? We should probably talk about Springsburg Day. Okay, like, have we have we covered everything? Honestly, ba- basically, we, we picked apart, like, everything we can. Yeah. Nothing but bones at this point. Like, <laughs> An- Anne's grandma? Oh, yeah. Anne's grandma, um... I just remember, oh yeah, I, I just remember thinking like Matt said his um that's an Anne's design is based off his grandma, right? Like the like the big the big afro that Anne has is something that like her his grandma had. So I, I think I think I was sort of in I think her grandma's design sort of had it. So I thought that was kinda nice. Like did they I am not sure I don't remember this, but did they say whose side she was on? Like uh, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, Andrew said, Grandma, oh, hi, blah, 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 blah. I just had a sandwich, and that was all we got. I just had a sandwich, Grandma, don't mind me. Oh, we also had that Sonic reference, like... <laughs> oh, that. right. How do we not, how do we not, how do we miss that? <laughs> like, is, is the I require acceleration, like, based on like, a different Sonic quote, or... I believe so. Is it, does, does he say I have a need for speed? I have no clue. Does, he, does Sonic say I have a need for speed? I, I, I feel like something's... Wait, is it? <laughs> I have no clue. I'm not a Sonic fan. <laughs> no. Matt and his Sonic references. Yeah, that nerd. What a nerd. Yes. My god. I, I just love the fact that Amphibia... Like, you, you would not expect Amphibia to have, like, so many different influences, but geez, like, it has, like... Like, we're talking, like, Zelda, Sonic, Dragon Ball Z, Rare, like... Tons oh, of different... Like, the Ghibli films, like, tons of different properties that have influenced the show's identity. 
Like it's and yeah, and, and it's just called the Funny Frog Show. So like, you never expect something only titled the Funny Frog Show would have some like. It's like all these properties like in a blender. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, and then oh. it's like Mickey Mouse is like looking like ominously through the through like the glass <laughs> mixing bowl <laughs> or mixing jug. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, we also got those uh, Suspicion Island cutouts in the storage that. rooms. <laughs> oh, the cutouts? Yeah, there's a cutout of like Hunter and uh, Constantine, like the the girl's name. Vivica's? Huh. Like I remember Hunter, like the guy with like the the cyborg guy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the yeah the people from uh, Civil oh, War, right? Oh. Yeah, they're in the storage room, like the cutouts, and then I think that's about it for references. Honestly, oh, I, I should have went back to check out all the references. Like, I was being too lazy with this episode. Yeah, there must be some screenshot with like carefully labeled forty-five billion references yeah. from all those movie posters. But yeah, I think I think I covered all those references. <laughs> Oh, the the ant spaghetti. Uh, oh, the, the profile, profile picture. picture. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's so in character for like a mother. Parent. Yeah, for a, a mother. mother. <laughs> and this show is so based a little bit. Okay, so I think. Did are there any final thoughts or not? Any final details we need to cover before we go on to the next segment? Not really. Oh no, yeah. I think we've we've squeezed out everything we can from this episode. Squeeze and try. Okay. So I think we can go on to Sprig's birthday, which was directed by Jen Strickland, written by Todd McClintock. Storyboards by Alicia Arosha and Danny Ducker. So the segment starts off with uh, Anne and Sprig are doing like they're reading through books for research to get back to Amphibia. But uh, while Anne's reading Dante's Inferno, uh, Sprig has made a giraffe made out of books, and that's that's Anne's cue that they need a break. So they do finger football, like the paper football thing when mm-hmm. uh, Hop Hop and Polly walk in uh, suspiciously and then eventually we find out that uh, uh, <laughs> eventually we find out that it's actually Sprig's birthday and then they present with it they present to him this kind of like mud, mud crown the mud crown yes and they sing a little song and uh, Anne is kind of shocked that she didn't realize it was she didn't she never knew it was Sprig's birthday. Um, she kind of didn't even know his age, <laughs> but we did. <laughs> yeah, but we did. We knew. Yeah, that was our biggest concern. And then, basically, the process of like of someone like in amphibia on someone's birthday they would wear or i guess in terms of frog tradition they would wear the mud crown and then they would take the time to reflect and then it cuts to spring like looking out the window so deep 
so deep for like five seconds, and then he's like, he's just done. He's about to cry. <laughs> I think he's about to cry and say, you know what? Nah. All right, let's have the fun. big shimmering eye. I know. Eyes are yeah. watery. Yeah, so, peak character design. Yeah, especially with Ferocia on, on this. Oh yeah, I love the beady eyes. She always gets Sprig. Like it, I don't, it just adds something. <laughs> it just really adds something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're about to go back to just like st- like streaming TV shows when Anne stops them all, and then she wants to give Sprig like the best birthday ever. And then, like the bud crown gets tossed out the window and hits uh, Mr. Boonjoy. Oh, that was that was so unneeded. Like they, like oh boy. why can why can't he just why can't it just be mud that just gets on his head? Like, didn't they really need to knock him out? Mud. Oh, mud. <laughs> oh no. well, and it's pretty. They probably just use dirt and just put water in it. Made him treat him it pretty quickly. Mr. Boucher was doing gardening, so. Yeah, so Anne decides to take Sprig out, and then, like, they travel through all those, like, the pothole infested road. I mean, I guess infrastructure gets a D in LA, but, uh. Yeah. Get this montage of, uh. Anne and Sprig, like, going to the mall, getting dressed up, getting on some rides, eating out. Uh, skipping Hollywood, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, and then, well, as they're leaving the uh, like the uh, what's it called the observatory, like we see Anne like sneaks in a gift. Um, they pretty much drive home, and then like Anne is asking Sprig like what he thought about everything. Sprig's like really happy, and then he mentions that it's in the top three. Like this birthday was in the top three that he's had. And then that kind of catches Anne off guard. Yeah, Anne's so violated. <laughs> yeah, like Anne, Anne, like was like insulted by that. And then, in an attempt to like get the number one spot, she gets the idea of like taking him to like like the balloon, the hot air balloon. I forgot. What, I I don't know the proper term for these like areas. Just like. Hot air balloon ride, I guess. Yeah, launch yeah. zones. <laughs> like hot, hot, hot air balloon launch zones or something. I don't, I don't think. I don't think. Yeah, launch zones. I'm just guessing. I have no clue. That's the actual balloon name. ride. Yeah, I guess balloon ride. So then, like, Mister Boonshoy drives them there, and then they're about to ride one, and they come across that like horrifying clown balloon. But then, and then, like. And then, like, the guy there, like, o- like offers to take them up, but then, like, immediately refuses because, like, there's a high wind alert. You know what that reminds me of? The hot air balloon and the guy? You ever seen Killer Clowns from Space? Yeah, I've I've seen some clips of it. Like It reminds me of that. Yeah, like, it reminds me of It, but I haven't watched the movie. Just, like, the that face. Too. Mm-hmm. And then, like, this... Team Rocket James looking haircut looking guy. <laughs> like he he's the one like operating this. And then like while he goes out, he lets them like he 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 assumes they're not gonna like take it up because of the wind alert and lets them just sit inside the inside mm-hmm. the basket. 
but then Anne immediately like ignites the burner, and then they like suspended the air, but they assume they'll stay tethered. But then, like, eventually, like the tether comes off, and then the they're airborne, and uh, don't know how to steer properly. <laughs> they're hard to drive, so yeah. So then, like, they have to they have to navigate through the city while Anne controls the burner. Uh, Sprig uses his tongue to like swing the balloon around all these like skyscrapers. Uh, yeah, we get a bunch of gags, and then eventually, like, they reach that point with the crane with like the very pointy end, and then they they jump off, and then like like they miraculously like su- like survive from like the palm tree and the. And, like, this random hot dog stand umbrella doesn't break under the weight of their pressure, and then they... Surprisingly. They and then they, yeah, and it keeps going with it. goes to, like, the, the fire escape, and then eventually they end up in the dumpster. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's a very elaborate... This, this reminds me of, like, okay, I, I probably should... I'm going off topic, but, uh... Yeah, they end up in the trash... Anne feels like she's ruined Sprig's birthday, but Sprig insists that this that wasn't the case, and that he's just happy that he was able to spend time with Anne on his special day, and that's what made it the top three, and Anne starts ugly crying, and then they, they embrace. <laughs> and then Anne asks about uh, what Sprig's favorite birthdays, like, what, what were Sprig's top two birthdays, and then that's when Sprig explains, like, the first one was when the first one was the one where he was born, and then the second one is when he got his hat from his parents. And then eventually Anne gives Sprig's gift, and it's like that telescope that has uh, uh their names engraved on it. And the episode pretty much ends up with ends off with them heading home, thinking that there's no loose ends, and then but but we cut to Mr. Boonchoy in the in the parking lot waiting for Anne and Sprig to return. Mr. Boonchoy. The bullying never stops. And oh this is for Mr. Boonchoy. They like, better give him some like huge bonus in the season finale or something. Yeah, so that was that was Sprig's birthday, and uh this was a very light episode, but at the same time it was very it was a very wholesome it was. Yeah, it was a very wholesome episode. For sure. I guess... I'll probably discuss it later, but... As we know, as we all know, it was a Sprig... It's it's called Sprig's Birthday, but it really was a little bit more focused on... Anne's relationship with him. Which, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> Too many... <laughs> <laughs> but I still I still enjoyed this episode. Like I still really liked. Did we get a lot like most of season three was a lot of Anne staying close to the planners, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I think this was our like proper Spran segment. That we haven't gotten since Hopmall, I think. Was it Hopping Mall? That feels I guess. like a True Colors had some strong Spran stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. But it wasn't like but, yeah. Like, it wasn't really when, like I, a, when I think of True Colors, that's more of like a like a the the pinnacle 
yeah of amphibia like i'm I'm trying to think about like just like a typical sprand adventure which even hopping mall well yeah i think hopping mall would be a good mm-hmm. like that was yeah that was the last time we just had a purely sprand episode right yeah yeah it's it's been a while it's been almost yeah 10 ep- 10 episodes more than that Yeah, like, oh, okay, f- about 15 episodes. It kind of, like, like looking back, it just kind of reminds you how how much, like, Season 2B had to focus on other, like, m- other matters, in a way. Mm-hmm. But I guess, I think I've given most of my thoughts already. Um, Pickle, what were your thoughts on this segment? Uh, I liked it overall. Like you said, Spran for the first time in a while, which is great. Also, I think it's kind of really displaying how much more mature Sprig is since the beginning. With him talking about like, oh, I'm taking time to reflect. Oh, I really love everything. I know, he was just like very positive this episode. Just him being a little guy. All great and stuff. Uh, it felt like a callback to season one, even more than like the rest of the season has, just because of the bringing back older themes, like the friend punch and and doing something she hasn't done in a while with the beer pressure stuff. Which honestly, I'm kind of conflicted on because I feel like the whole and getting over her peer pressure thing was a flaw. She like finished she grew out of like a long time ago and it seems kind of weird to bring it back now out of all times or it wasn't peer pressure quite but like her like compulsive need to like super please the people around her yeah yeah i can i can see what you mean and that, that felt like a season one thing yeah especially when they hijacked the balloon that was very like very season one-esque. Yeah, Anne has been like, pretty lick. responsible this season. <laughs> and this was like what broke her. Yeah, just... I feel like if Anne has learned anything from all of this, it should be don't pressure your friend doing into doing into doing stuff that isn't a good idea on their birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's definitely there. But I guess... Oh, no, I, I, yeah, I'll let people keep going. I'll let like, you keep going. Uh, oh, I gotta say, the, like, background character gags this season have been so good. Oh, yeah. And it just keeps coming. The mm-hmm. one guy who's, like, ordering 20 hot dogs for himself. 50. It didn't look, was it, like, Matt? Like, that straight up looked like Matt. Didn't yeah, that look looked like, like I'm assuming, I'm assuming it was voiced, like, he voiced that character, because it looked exactly like him with the sweater as well. Yeah. <laughs> because of the call then there's also the guy. There's also the guy, the therapist. Like, like, um. Yeah, he's like, I finally go over my fear of direct eye contact. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'll see. Yeah, I think that was my favorite one. Yeah, I think that was my favorite one out of all of them. Like, what? what he, he freaked, freaked out. out. He just freaked out. He flipped the table and then like ran away with his like arms like waving yeah. in the air. The comedian one was pretty fun too. They're, they're like the guys proposing. I'm pretty. Those were the same guys from the the TV gag during yeah. the, the chase, which was great. 
from Thai food. Yeah, like. Mm-hmm. But I guess it makes sense why he was willing to. He that guy treated his TV like a son and was willing to give it to the other guy, which now kind of makes sense why he was able to trust that dude. Yeah. Uh, I hope you keep like seeing them and they get their own like very 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 minor little story arc of their own. Oh yes, the deep the 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 G plot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Pixels that is pretty fun. Uh, Pixels, what were your thoughts on this segment? It was a very fun episode. I like this. The side guys were pretty hilarious. A man trying to make sure that he gets the best birthday ever is... I always say this sometimes, because I, but it is always cliche when I see something like this. But I like it, because it's a different twist on it. And that's what Amphibia's been doing a lot recently, I noticed. Because you see a lot of very cliche episodes and like cartoons recently, but Amphibia does it very differently, that I enjoy it. Yes, it's not story-oriented, but it's also, in a way, I don't feel like it's episodic. And I like it like that. Um, Oh, poor Mr. Boon Choi. Well, I first got a mud crown dropped on his head and just got... And he was just sitting on the car for... He got ditched there. He got ditched there for God knows how long he was in that car. Uh, but it was it's a great episode. I like this episode a lot. All right, thank you, Pixels. Uh, Nick, what were your thoughts on this segment? Um, overall, pretty good. I I really like the wholesome energy of this episode. Like, the, it was really carried by the music too. I feel like just like it felt magical in the way, like all, almost like something you'd see from a Disney movie. So I, was, so I thought it was pretty cool. Um. I know Anne's, like, motivation this episode and, like, a lot of her actions are sort of, like... But I think it's more controversial. I don't know. I don't think it's really heated. But, like, I, I think it did throw off... I, I know it threw off some people, but I, but I think, like... It, it's... In a weird way, it's something I, I really did like. Though, because, like, even so, yeah, Anne was being, like, selfish and, like, kind of pushy here. I, I, I sort of did like that because, um... I mean, here's the thing. Even so, like, the idea for the three girls are for them to grow into their best selves... And Anne's clearly, you know, pretty close to being her best self. I, I, I still feel like it's realistic in a way that she still has her screw-ups, right? Because, I mean, I, I guess, like, people, like, you never stop growing. Even if you're getting close to, like, a better version of yourself. Like, it's just, you know, like, you're still going to have, still going to have screw-ups like that. And I, and I guess for this episode, I, I also understood her motivation on, like, a different level. Because um, what I'm thinking here is... Anne really appreciates Sprague's presence in her life, and like, she, he's really her first non-toxic friendship, right? Like, someone, someone who taught her that, like, the friendships she had of Sasha, like, Sasha especially, and, and, and Marcy were just not healthy at all, and that there needed to be a change. So I think, like, when she realizes that she's in turn not being the best friend she could be, like, not knowing his birthday, not knowing how old Sprague is, she really wants to make up for that. And then that, that's sort of how I saw this episode. And so, honestly, when, yeah, when Spring revealed that, like, 
you know, she's his best friend, not because he, not because she knows these few things. That that was really sweet, you know. Just and then Anne's ugly cry, like I, I found that so I found it to be so adorable. So I think like I, I really did enjoy this episode because it, it really felt like this motivation for Anne that just made a lot of sense to me, and something that drew a lot from season one too. Like it really did feel like an episode built up from season one. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Like I think guys can say something. Uh, Pickle, go ahead. You were going to say something. Oh, I find it a little bit sad that her being written as a 15-year-old and her, like, only friend is an 11-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> or is that her fault? Yeah. 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 It's kind of funny. <laughs> like, her best friend in the world and is like, literally, this... like, a child. <laughs> and, like, seeing this episode, like, I kind of wished that Anne was, like, 15. Because I feel like that makes the... Because even though it's already written that way, so I don't really, actually, I shouldn't really wish Anne was 15 because, like, the show has been written already with her yeah, kind of 15. So I kind of like how Anne is kind of this older friend who seems, like, she's, like, she's an older sister at the same time, like, an older friend who's, like, seen a bit more than Sprig has. And, like, her, her worldview is a lot just those few years makes her worldview a lot different from Spriggs. And I kind of like how that, how that's always been utilized with the way that her, like, Spriggs' innocence and Anne's kind of, like, more, I'm guessing, jaded worldview or jaded yeah, I mean, perspective. Yeah, jaded sounds right, especially. <laughs> especially after I think she's been through. So I think... Yeah, it, it sort of is that sweet innocence of a, like, of a child, right? And I, and, I, and I like that. That's sort of what like, Sprig does for him, and I like that, you know? Like, he, he's really simple, and I think that's just something like she needs for a yeah. friend. And I think the part with the ugly crying, like, that scene pretty much made me feel like this was a spiritual successor to uh, Fiddle Me This. Because that whole episode was about, like, Hop Pop doing, like, everything he could for Sprig and like pushing him over the like pushing like him and like the whole story to the edge until like until like it all came to a head and then eventually ends up with like Sprig just being grateful for like his time with Hop Hop and then they reconcile and that that gave, that gave me like this episode like Kive gave me those similar vibes same thing with Sprig gets schooled. Yeah, same thing with Sprig gets get schooled, especially with Hop Hop again. Yeah. But arguably, I think okay. Fiddle, Fiddle Me This was probably more of a Hop Hop episode than a Sprig episode. And then Sprig gets schooled was more of a Sprig episode with Hop Hop. <laughs> and then, yeah, I really liked Nick's points. Like, I think. Looking at this episode, I kind of like understood why Anne was a little bit more. So I guess this episode and fight at the museum was when Anne kind of like was willing to break the rules. Yeah. With but with good intentions in mind. <laughs> yeah, like well, while while they do grow up and while they like they learn from their mistakes, like I, I, I still think like if there's an extreme case, like if there's like a big enough emotion, like motivation, they're they're gonna break the rules, right? Like, even if a character learns not to lie, like, obviously Anne did, like, 
Yeah, but if there's like a big enough reason for her to lie, like, oh, she's going to do it, that's, that, that's sort of like the takeaway I get from this with the development. So we got the. Oh, so I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, what's his name? Roger Craig Smith, voiced uh, the balloon guy. Yeah, he voiced the clown. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I don't even have to think of that whole cameo right there. It, 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 it was pretty. It was pretty fun, I guess. I, I liked. I liked. Um, and <laughs> I. I still like the fact that Anne like screwed him over in the end and probably got him fired. It was pretty. That was pretty funny. Oh, especially when they start like screaming in the distance, and it just shows that like the clown's like the clown guy's face. Yeah, he just <laughs> he just knew he was screwed at that point. Just done with everything. <laughs> yeah, he looks like dead inside. <laughs> and he just like honks his nose at the end too. <laughs> And then we got the gag with, uh, yeah, the random comedian, like, was that, was yeah. that, I'm guessing that was the voice director, just judging by the credits. Oh, Roxanne Cole? Or, oh, no, no, you probably seen voice director, oh, never mind. Um, uh, Eden, I forgot the last name. Yeah, I'm guessing it's probably just, it's probably just another, like, crew cameo, basically, yeah. I, I, I like that they're doing it, you know, it's just sort of like. So it just gives it that nice energy. Oh, so I think it's Eden Regal, and I think she voices Basha in the Owl House, and she's also the voice oh, really? for all these for all these show for all these Disney TVA shows. Wow, huh? I had no clue. Nice. Really? Wow. Like, what did you say your name was? Again, like Egan. Eden Regal, but I, I'm just Eden. making the assumption because, like, that was the only other like female. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she does look like the one, yeah, yeah, she does look like the, the cameo, too, yeah. I, I think you're right about that. So we got... Yeah, the clown, the city, that weird billboard for, like, insurance. <laughs> that was, like, perfectly, like, smarmy. What did it say uh, again? Like, I'm I'm going to injured injured question mark. Would you like to be? <laughs> I know. Didn't, didn't the back ask something too? Said like, please call this number. I need <laughs> I need your money. Seriously, I, I I think it was something like that. I can't remember. Where was that? Like like there was um on on the back of the billboard too. Like oh, they said like pay, yeah there, there was like half two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paid for this side. Please contact me, or something like that. Yeah, please call me. And then with this, the way Sprig was like using his tongue to like maneuver the balloon, I felt like when Ann said he was getting better at that, I feel like that was just like a tease for Spider Sprig. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The big, uh, the big episode, yeah, the big episode of this season. Like they, they, we've been building up to this point, Spider Sprig. Yeah. We're getting can't wait for that episode. Like, oh, that's gonna be fun, but yeah. No, it's crazy though, because like it has his tongue always been that long? Like, I swear that thing was going far when, when they started maneuvering around the city in the hot air balloon. Um, something else I think might be a tease is 
they've mentioned the movie Fumigator like three times now. I'm wondering if maybe Hollywood Hop Hop will have him starring in Fumigator or something. Wait, so I know they mentioned it in uh, Ant's Terminator. Where else did they mention it? It was Ants. I think I think Ants Terminator might have been the start of that. I, I can't remember seeing it before because I do know like I think that's there were, like posters for it before. Oh, okay. Yeah, may, yeah, maybe they were. Yeah, no, also, may, maybe maybe that was maybe the mall episode because I think that would be appropriate place for posting. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, so we got. I I'm really in the I'm trying to look I'm trying to look up the the regular theme song opening, but Sprig looks through a uh, telescope, right? Yeah, he looks through a telescope. Oh, okay. In the yeah, nope. So it's I mean I'm not I'm not sure if it's 100 percent intentional, but it's it's still it's like a nice little thing, you know, a nice little nod at the intro. I mean, I'm betting we're probably I'm betting we're probably gonna get like an emotional scene of that telescope coming back at the end. <laughs> Like, calling it right now. That, tel- that telescope's going to come back in a me- meaningful way towards the end of the series. Yeah. It's going to be, like, the key to saving oh, the world in the finale. <laughs> oh, man, just, like, bludgeoning anyone with the, uh, the thought of the F word in mind. <laughs> oh, yes. Everything's connected. Oh, yeah, I think that's... And the the Matt cameo. Well, I'm assuming it's the Matt cameo. I just like <laughs> he asked for fifty hot dogs, and then it's like, oh, you ordered them all for a party? <laughs> no. Oh, what do you, no. Why do you ask? <laughs> it's like so like cheerful about. It. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> he is absolutely was, no shame. I was kind of hoping they would say chili dogs just to make another like Sonic reference. Oh, reference. Yeah. yeah. They probably honestly he probably wanted to, but they held him back. <laughs> They're like, no, nah, we, we've referenced Sonic too many times this season already. Uh, I think I, I think they practically put a practically hit in a Sonic reference <laughs> in almost every single Earth episode at this point. Like I could have sworn, like every could swear, like every week we mentioned like a Sonic reference somewhere. I think the day Matt says there are too many Sonic references will be the day that like. The show is getting taken over by another creator. <laughs> but that that scene where that scene where they like Anne and Sprig like do that dramatic falling fallout from the the balloon, it kind of remind me about it kind of remind me of uh, taking charge, where like it was like such a. Like, it was probably like the most like cartoony moment of the show with like oh, yeah they get zapped and they get oh yeah well, yeah and they get like, like flung 50 the yeah. yeah holy crap yeah that was like <laughs> yeah that was like what like, do you th- do you think this moment beats beats it for like the most cartoony moment of Amphibia all the time I'm not sure because like I I know like Amphibia is already like pretty cartoony with its phys- physics yeah. of course like we we don't like we don't care about that I was just like. <laughs> But when it really like overdoes it, it gets more noticeable. <laughs> I, I, I feel like after the rain takes the cake for that. Because remember when Hop Pop like grabs your legs? What the fuck 
Oh, he was able to like swing everything. Okay, well at least we know yeah, our bomb's like strong enough. Like, yeah. at least we can push our like, we can suspend our disbelief. Man, they're like a helicopter being, like, right there. <laughs> they're like a helicopter right there. That was crazy. Like, what do you think this is in top three for like craziest cartoon moments in Amphibia or something? Maybe. But like, like what happened again? Like, they were like. They were actually, falling through the air. Did they bounce? I can't remember who we were at. Like, did they bounce actually, off something? Actually, and, like, I actually oh, forgot about. I forgot about Thai feud where like the truck smashes oh, the through a bunch scene. of yeah, it smashes through a bunch yeah. of like garbage and then hits the turtle shell and then does a flip and get like goes like Mario, into Pirate the Prince. air. Yeah, 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 yeah that was very cartoony. Yeah, that probably yeah, that's that's it. that one takes the cake then. Yeah, that's definitely the the number one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we talked about the comedian. We talked about oh that same family that uh that that same family in the new normal where the Anne and the planets first teleported. Oh, that the same movers, family yeah. appears again. Yeah, with the one with the mattress that yeah bounce off of. <laughs> so I don't know. That was just a. Yeah, it's kind of nice. I, I I really do like the fact we can sort of see like these background characters have their own individual stories within like what's going oh, on. Yeah. Here. I mean that one blonde guy. I mean like I'm not saying anything, but he appears with a different girl in every episode. Like, I'm not I, saying anything, of course, but like hold on, like, that's, that's kind of suspicious. I mean, I assume it's just for the budget, but yeah, we can we can assume they have these. Yeah, we, we need to make fun of little story right there. Uh, I think we like we covered a lot of this episode already. Yeah, we've gone for a lot of it. I think I think it's just these two episodes were light, you know, like not n- nothing too huge happening, right? So I think like yeah, I think that's that's sort of part of what it that's like part of it right now. I mean, I can probably maybe I can start talking about my. Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Actually, my only. Yeah, you've been, only... <laughs> you've been holding back. You've been holding back. I know you've been holding back. I know you've been holding back. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh I guess my only gripe with this episode was that it's called Sprig's birthday, and we get that moment where Sprig is Sprig is supposed to reflect on everything he's everything that's happened, and I was kind of. Hoping for a little, something a little bit more substantial, and then like Sprig is like looking out into like out the window, deep in thought, and it just ends, and that's pretty much all we get for Sprig. <laughs> I mean, we still get the end, but just hold on, let me pull up my notes. That I, <laughs> I guess Sprig as the like Sprig throughout the show, like his whole character in general is his role as like the sounding board for everything around him, whether it's the characters or the plot, is more interesting than Sprig the character itself himself. And yeah. that's not I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. Cause it's it's a lot more like vital to the show. And like of course like Sprig's like just like a normal kid and we've already like we've seen these lessons that he's had to learn in a lot of other different media, so I guess what makes him stand out from sort of other, other, yeah. 
from other young protagonists is that like his connection with the other characters is a lot more like meaningful and a lot more like impactful for the story. Yeah, plus because I, I feel like yeah, Sprig itself is it's it's more it, evidence it, it, for yeah, the, it, yeah. the fact that Sprig is the main character. But like he's not <laughs> he's not that like Sprig on his own is like not like when he's the when he has his own standalone episodes like only like the best moments are really when he's interacting with like the core cast like and hop hop and even he other doesn't people. really interact yeah or other other people like ivy ivy's a great example yeah but like mm. ivy's like just the girlfriend like we we saw what ivy on the run which was like more ivy focused than sprig focused but that that had a lot to do with sprig with her connection to sprig and his adventures outside the valley were what kind of like started the conflict with Ivy and her own mother. And then But I guess the advantage is that since Sprig is such like a blank slate, he doesn't bring that like emotional that messy emotional baggage that <laughs> into the into the friendship that with Anne and like he doesn't have that same baggage like Anne, Sasha or Marcy or even Hop Hop. Yeah, he's he can balance, he can balance Anne out. Yeah, Sprig's so, just like the, the yeah. positive here for everything, just a wholesome good friend to balance Anne's yeah, messy relationship with everybody else. And even within like in context to like the show, like how the show plays out, it's like when all this like drama comes his way, he's pretty much like the entry point for the audience. And then like seeing last week when I like mentioned, oh, yeah, you're so right about that. <laughs> when I when I mentioned when I mentioned like Polly was more interesting than Sprig, like it's mostly because since Polly doesn't have that same responsibility that Sprig had to like Anne's development, and then like by extension, like by extension, the show and the audience for the show, she has kind of that luxury of like having her own story her own story on the side and having like her own supporting cast like with Microangelo and Frobo. Because like Polly has like her own life outside of the family, but while Sprig is very much like very much like his supporting cast is like the family itself. I guess in season one he had uh Ivy and Maddie, but season two definitely shifted away from those two a lot. Right. I don't know, so just, like, I don't know, like, I, I started thinking about this before Sprig's birthday happened, and then once we got, like, once I saw the episode itself, it only, it only reinforced that idea that, like, okay, even in, like, an episode titled Sprig's birthday, where you kind of, like, hope we would get something a little bit more substantial with Sprig, it's mostly about Anne. Yeah. Which is still yeah. okay, because that's probably a lot. That's probably a more interesting route than what Sprig was thinking about. Because, like, I know even like Sprig is Sprig. If you think about all of Sprig's like strongest moments in the show, they they have a lot more to do with like his relationship with Anne or other characters rather than like his own like. True Colors was a good example. True Colors, Reunion, Hopper. Reunion, yes. 
Yeah, I don't know. Hopping Mall, I guess Hopping Mall was kind of evenly split between the two. I think that's yeah. the only time when Brig I mean, has gotten the same amount of focus as Anne in a big moment like that. Right, like Sprig, like Sprig's moments are like have less screen time, but they're like a lot more substantial. Like his best moments, while like the moments that like his standalone episodes, like Ty Feud. Okay, Ty Feud. I guess in a way that related. I think what made Ty Feud work in a way that uh, like cracking Mrs. Croker didn't was because his story was more about like related to Anne's mom. <laughs> so like even Honestly. in that regard. Kind of funny. The only time when the the story is like fully centered on Sprig is when he's being a like little shit. So, <laughs> isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. I know Let's he's say... still very likable. Like that, yeah. you 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 worried that him getting yeah. the focus on that out of everything would make him less likable. But honestly, I find him very sweet and nice. Yeah, yeah. Even when he's being a little scamp, I'm still laughing <laughs> at his antics. I mean, he, he's like. Even so, yeah, we treat Sprig like he's he's our golden child. Like he's still, but at that point, he was only like ten years old. I mean, he's he's still like a little child, right? Like he's only eleven yeah. right now. Like, like so, you can't expect too much maturity from Sprig. But yeah, that was like that was like my whole the whole thing I was thinking about. Like Sprig, Sprig is more interesting as like. A plot device than as a character. Oh, hey, hey, call, all right, all right. Calm yeah. down there. I think he works. I think he works well in the role he has. I don't mind yeah, that he's. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't, really I don't see that as. A, I don't see that as an insult because, like, Sprig does like when Sprig has when the when the spotlight like just like brushes by him. That's when he's at his best. But like when the show just like keeps the spotlight on him, like over time, like it can kind of get a little. I guess a little like too much. <laughs> like the longer we focus on Sprig, like the more he like descends into like madness and like over the top like decisions. Like what cracking Mrs. Croker, he ended up like breaking and entering. <laughs> Croaking punishment, and like, same kind of deal. Yeah, and then Ty Feud, like he want like his main goal was to ruin a man's livelihood. <laughs> But he did for Relatable. to be part of the family, part of the family business. And then I guess in this case, like Sprig didn't have a lot of moments, but it kind of makes sense because he's not like a complex character. Yeah, he's yeah because it's yeah His complexities comes from how he motivates other characters, and he yes. works well that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because Sprig, he's just, yeah, he's just supposed to be, like, the simple little guy that Anne really needed in her life. Like, there's no baggage to Sprig that makes him, like, a bad person. Like, there, there's nothing, really. It's just, it's sort of like what, what I said before, like, the sweet innocence of a child, right? Like, that's what re Anne really needed. Like, it, 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 just from, it just gives me, like, Ghibli vibes. I know, I know, like, um, Matt said that, like, he's inspired by Ghibli movies, right? So I feel like he's, I feel like, Sprig, in a way, sort of is like a Ghibli main character because like there's because like, I mean, because I mean I'm, honestly I've only seen like one Ghibli movie if I'm being honest like Spirit Away but like I think like the idea is like the main character like they're very simple and like sure they can be a little scamp but it's like what the movie's really driven by is just that like that you know 
innocent heart of a child. And I think that's what, that, I, think that's, I think that's like what's really going on here with Spring. And just regarding just how, yeah, and I, and I guess like, he was like, I really don't want to, and I don't want to call him a plot device. It's, that was me like boiling down like 10 minutes of conversation yeah. into like a simple buzzworthy sentence. Yeah. That even if it would, even if it se- seems cruel, I mean, it as a compliment, because like Sprig's yeah. role does. Like Sprig does, like Sprig's moments with Anne and Hop Hop do elevate the show. Yeah, it's, it's but, done really well. Yeah, so I, I meant that as a compliment. Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. Stuff is always great. Yeah. If I if I said Sprig was better as com- comic relief than as a character, then yeah, you guys should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You guys should come for my throat, like. Yeah. <laughs> but I think. Yeah. Do you guys know the term for a character who like exists to further other characters' plots? It must be considering how many protagonists have fallen into that lately. Wait, so is there a definition for a character that exists just to help the main character? Yeah, I think there actually is one, but is I can't remember. I'm trying to think. I I know you can find him like like what is that once like TV tropes? I'm pretty sure you can find it in there, but like I. I know what you're talking about, people, but I cannot remember the, the, the exact term for it. I think it's colorblind. Let me Google it. They're definitely... I feel like I've even read that before in the past, but yeah. I think... Honestly, yeah. Is I think that, like, a, lot, a lot of what you're saying, like... A lot of what you're saying does make sense, and I, 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 I kind of gotta agree with it. But I, yeah, I, I don't really have a problem with it personally, because I don't... And I guess this has sort of been my own take on Sprig I've had for months. But I, I, I don't really think he needs a character arc or anything. Like, like he doesn't exactly need to like go through any big developments because I, because I feel like the thing we have now for Sprig, like he's very strong. Like I think he's already very strong on his own here. Like on top of like like just just what he means for the show itself, I feel like carries Sprig enough. You know, just because we have like the toxic friendships that Anne has with Marcy and Sasha. Then we just have like the nice genuine friendship that Anne has with Sprig, and I feel like that's just, you know, I, I guess for me, that, that, that's just enough. Right, like, I think, I think I just thought about this a little bit more for Sprig, because, of course, we have Anne, and then we had, like, even throughout the show, like, Hop-Hop has gotten a lot of, like, we, we get into Hop-Hop's head very often, like, like, a lot of Hop-Hop's, like, struggles are, like, very, very relatable, so it's, like, really easy to, like, latch on to him and then even in this like even last two weeks ago we had like or last week we had polly having her like own goal to work towards it's like it kind of felt like sprig was like singled out but it's not it's not a bad thing because like it's not something sprig really needed but it's just it's it was just noticeable for me yeah I mean, I, I definitely can't, like, I can't really disagree with the idea that, like, Paulie's more <laughs> interesting than Sprig right now, because, like, he doesn't, <laughs> because I feel like compared to everyone else, Sprig's been chilling since True Colors, I'll be honest, like. <laughs> I mean, you, could, you could talk about Paulie, like, Paulie is a lot, has a lot more similarities with Anne in terms of, like, 
she started off like a lot different to where she was now. Yeah. Like, what did Anne say? Like, <laughs> uh, about that character in the movie they watched that she was that they were flawed but had a lot yeah. of room to grow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> along the nose. Like, Amphibia's been panicking itself in the back <laughs> since episode one. Well, it's like the new normal, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, since the new normal, they've been making those references yeah. a lot more. Yeah, they've they, they, they... <laughs> Yeah, oh, man. And even they... okay, and even in this episode where Anne Anne's reading Dante's Inferno. And she's like, "Oh, it's a B plus for story, but F minus for oh getting us God. home." That that like, <laughs> I just thought about this episode and a bunch of other episodes immediately. <laughs> yes, see, I I would have never expected a Dante's Inferno reference from the show. If I'm being honest, like when the episode opened up, I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> like, I, I would have never expected that to be in the show. Ever. Yeah, I'm surprised they flat out like said it. <laughs> yeah, they they, they, yeah, they just flat out put it out there like Dante's and like he yeah, and literally said yeah. I think at one point she even said like Paradiso, right? When 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 she got to like when they got to the hot air balloons, like that's that's what um that's like Paradiso is like a like it's I'm pretty sure it's, let me look it up. I think uh, I think, I think it, it's the story that Dante's Inferno is a part of. Like let me let me check that Paradiso. Oh, it's a poem. Uh, the final. Oh part. yeah, there's yeah. It's the third and final part of Dante's Divine Comedy. So yeah, it, it basically yeah. Okay, basically his journey for someone's got to like remember the plot of Dante's Inferno and try to connect it to yeah. the story arc of Amphibia at some point. <laughs> got imagine some. Yeah, that's just what said. That's someone Todd doing. Mc- Todd McClintock wrote this episode. <laughs> that sounds so like what? something for later. Uh, let's see. I think we. Were there any other books there? Any other books she was reading? I think. I mean, I know Sprig made like a giraffe out of books, but like honestly, I wasn't paying attention besides like the Dante's Inferno gag. And uh, I like that the Hollywood joke where they just like walk oh. up to it. And yeah, they just don't they don't give a shit, and then yeah, they, they're like, just like, eh. and then they turn around and just leave. That, that was great. That was a great jab. That was a great jab at Hollywood. I like that. Also, pro- pro- probably one of the <laughs> probably one of the best scenes in that episode. Uh. I think we covered everything. But really, we're oh, yeah. all out of stuff. No way. I mean. Hmm. Anyone got predictions for future episodes? Oh, uh, I mean, Spider Spring gonna be top three material for Amphibia. Top three material. I'm from that right there. I'll <laughs> argue like, about why Sp- Spider Spring's like culmination of Spring's. I'm just I'm messing around. Uh, I'm, and next week's gonna Spider be. Spring is gonna get struck uh, down for copyright yeah. and won't air until two weeks later, but unfortunately it will leak on iTunes. Oh, God. <laughs> it's painful. I think next week will be interesting. I, I, I guess I can say that because, like, we're, we're I don't know, we, we got a Spider Man parody, then we get, like, Lillian Union, so I guess that's going to be something. What do you guys think they're going to do for a Christmas episode? 
when the show seems to be taking place in like February. You think they're just gonna like summerween it where it's like, oh, we're doing a special Christmas thing in no, March gonna, as a thing. It's gonna be Christmas. They better not time skip. I, I, I think I think we're just gonna have to swallow the pill that like we're basically in December right now or something. <laughs> I think that's just what I'm gonna do. Like I doubt that I, I just I just think even so the series clearly started with them being in fall. I think we're just going to have to accept the fact that, like, we're somehow still in November. We're still, in, like, I don't know, say October, November. It's just somewhere close to Christmas. Because I feel like they're not going to do a time skip, honestly. Because if they did, I feel like we'd, like, encounter a ton of stuff that I don't think they want to tackle. Like, like even Hop Popper, Polly's birthday, even. Like, that, that could be something. Or how even, even Ams again, or, or, or any of the Boonchoin parents, like, Oh, sorry so, for interrupting the uh, the uh, the sp- speculation convo, but we also had the uh, the proposal scene. Oh yeah, 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 the, yeah. That, that was kind of fun. Like they went from yeah, I will not sharing TVs from <laughs> they went from sharing TVs to proposing. That was pretty funny. Yo, do you think? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that went well after <laughs> after that moment. But honestly, that probably almost ruined it. <laughs> It'll be a funny story they tell later. Imagine we've seen. The guy's name is Tyler, like the purple-haired one. Oh, really? Then then they say like, "No, Tyler, I will not." Or, oh, uh, I I will not clown face you. Yeah, Zach, it's pretty neat that they actually give them names. Like, I push sure up Emily and like, yeah, I push sure up Emily standing next to like the blonde-haired guy to this episode. Yeah, when they're all when all those people are saying, "Oh yeah, we had that random gag of that guy saying, oh, it's also my birthday too." <laughs> <laughs> like no one cares, dude. <laughs> like he just talked to himself, expecting like someone to reply. He's even kind of sad. Yeah, literally, no one cared. <laughs> no one cared about that guy. <laughs> Yeah, so anyways, back to predictions, like, I know next week is going to be a lot to take in. <laughs> we just gotta... <laughs> I, I guess I'm I'm hoping we get a little bit more than that trailer shot at the end, because I feel like that could be how the episode ends off. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm scared of, too. But since we've had, since we've like, since we've known that for so long, I'd I'd hope we get something else. Yeah. There's probably I mean, plenty just... they haven't shown us yet. Yeah. Right. I just hope that's not the end because I know like Amphibia did have that habit of uh, like in the, in the two B trailer they gave us like the ending scenes for like multiple episodes like after the rain. After the rain's ending was in the trailer, uh, essentially uh, the second temple's ending was in the trailer. Uh, Friend or Frobo's ending was in the after was in the stinger of the trailer to be trailer. Like hoping that's not the case <laughs> for is it Olivia or Yunan? Olivia Yunan or Yunan and Olivia? Hold on, let me Olivia and Yunan. Olivia and Yunan. Okay. Yeah. What if the, like, flash scene is the end with the Olivia and Yunan and Marcy all, like, covering their eyes and suddenly a white light comes up? 
don't know. It seems like something like maybe in the climax of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah like on some cliffhanger. Yeah, it sort of feels like they're. I mean, I, I really don't want it to go this way, but but it sort of feels like they're going to almost escape with her, and then they get stopped. <laughs> and I'd really like for them to just escape with Marcy, but I don't know. I'm just I'm just hoping it doesn't end on either of those moments in the trailer. I just want something I just need fresh. A little bit more. I need more information, especially like. It's like the season two B trailer all over again, like spoiling the the climax of that scene. Like, I guess, they, like I they did for every episode of that trailer, if I remember correctly. Like, yeah, straight up, season two B trailer they straight up showed us Sasha surrendering. I think they shouldn't have done that. <laughs> like, do you think it's fine to discuss our expectations for next week's episode? Yeah, sure. I mean, episode airs. Honestly, well, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. <laughs> sure, why not? Because like, because like, okay, we are. Next week, it's going to be... Okay, this is episode 6 of season 3. Yep. At this point in season 2, we had Marcy at the gates, and then the episodes that followed this were the Newtopia arc, which pretty much, for a lot of people, shaped their view on 2A in general, in my opinion. So, we have 3A. We know most people's thoughts on it. And then next week, are we going to get a batch of episodes? Well, we're going to get two episodes. Yeah, se- wait, sorry, three episodes. Seven, eight, nine. Is that... Are these episodes going to change our perception of 3A now? Especially when next week we're going to counter the night who, as far as we're concerned, we've only seen him in a basement back in Season 2. And now, what if... Are we going to have the case where we either learn enough about him to satisfy... Enough to uh, solidify him as, like, the big bad of of the show itself? Or are we just going to get, like, a glimpse of this entity in the background doing something, and then saying one or two lines, and then episode ends. That's what I'm slightly, I don't want to say concerned, but curious about, especially when this episode is titled Olivia and Yunnan, which is going to eventually have to factor in Marcy as well. Yeah, but I'm, what I'm hoping, I, I know a lot of people are expecting, like, romance happening in this episode, but, I, but what I'm really just hoping for is just, Getting more details in the night and just um, knowing how Mars is doing right now. I, I, that, that's just really where my focus is on right now. So I think, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, I'm, I'm really just thinking about how much focus they'll give to, like, certain, like, things in the episode. Yeah, for sure. It's fun to speculate on all that, but this is, like, our first confirmed lore episode where we know for a fact we're going to get a ton dumped on us. Yeah. There's probably going to be a lot to analyze. I'm, I'm expecting something like Sleepover, you know? But also, just Sleepover, both Sleepover and the Day of the Aquarium were like, like... Like, they're both... I mean, th- this is probably going to be more frantic, sort of like Sleepover, where, like, they're running around, like, trying to rescue Mars. And I think, like, we're probably going to get a ton of, like, background details, foreshadowing on, like, certain things. And then, like, you know, just... I think things surrounding the night and Andreas. 
So I think that's going to be fun, you know, just fun to, like, look at and try to analyze. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess before we get to that point, I'm just trying to, like, look back. at what, I'm trying to look at what we have so far for 3A. And I guess, how long was the Newtopia arc? Episode 7, 8, 9, 10. Okay, so we, that was a lot more substantial. Not more substantial. Uh, Honestly, it felt like it was a lot more of the season yeah. than it was. But at the end of the day, it was six segments. And then, in the case for season three, we're going to get five segments. One of them being the holiday special. It's just... Like, uh, like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? I'm just hoping that, like... This ne- these next few episodes kind of because I, I know I've seen a lot of I, I don't like discussing about other fan reaction but I guess in the case of season 3 a lot of people wanted a little bit more about Anne talking about Sasha and Marcy yeah like oh. and I think mm-hmm. No, you go. Sorry, sorry, I interrupted. So, no, no, no. I'm still, I'm still thinking about how, like, t- season two A was a lot of us, a lot with the planners, like making their way to Newtopia. Nuto- there was like a clear goal, path, and objective. And then season three is a lot less like linear in that case, yeah. in that situation. Yeah, and it's. I, it's I sort of like I, season one all over again. You know, it, it's harder to get that, even so things are progressing, like characters are changing. It's hard, it's hard to get that feeling of progression because we don't really have like a structured start and then goal. Like we we don't like we we, we don't like we're, we're not journeying to anything right now. Really, like we're we're just getting like you know, I mean, like like they're they're planning to get back to amphibia. That's mentioned like in every episode, but like you, we're not we don't really have like a set progressive that at all you know i mean if, if that makes sense yeah and that's what... true that we came into this with like really heightened expectations i mean coming from season 2 especially true colors i mean we might have set our expectations too high for this season just expecting it to suddenly be all this intense plot and lore when that's really more of a something they've only done in the later parts of the seasons in the yeah in the past and i guess what what season one had in it in its favor was that a lot of these like character a lot of this character these character dynamics and character growth was a lot more fresh cuz the like the characters had more of like a blank slate but now like we're we're returning to that kind of similar format but then we have to like we're revisiting all these like dynamics again and there's only so much you can do before like before we have to change like focus. Yeah, and like it's Yeah, and I it's there's just a lot like these episodes have to tackle because because like not only does the, I feel like the crew also wants to like make full use of this new environment. And on top of that, they also have to like acknowledge the effect that true colors had on this series. So I and I, I think I, I can understand where the frustrations are coming from, but but I feel like for me I'm 
still satisfied. Like I, I'm, I'm still happy with what I've done for the series. I mean, I, I can understand why it's really weird that like Anne hasn't said anything about Sasha and Marcy, but but I just I don't know. I, I just keep, I just keep clinging back to like what we've gotten from Anne in the past regarding the things like that. Like you know, she doesn't like to vent about this stuff, right? Like anything that makes her extremely uncomfortable, like she 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 likes to pretend that things are okay. And and that's just sort of what I'm seeing here because like in the new normal, like right, like when, when they try to mention that Anne's taking on a lot right now, like she's really pressured. She just says, like, what? Oh, I have no clue what you guys are talking about. I have to do this and this and that. And you, you see the effect it has in her. So I think like that hasn't been resolved at all. And and I still think that will come up somehow, but like I don't know. I, I, I just feel like we're just going to have to wait. And then I say, like, before people call it quits yet, you know, just, just see what the rest of Season 3 has to offer. So. Yeah, especially since... Oh, go ahead, Pickle. Go ahead. Uh, no, you, you go ahead. I, I've been talking for a while. All right. About especially the you talking about other fans' reactions, like, why is it so slow? A lot of people came in. I mean, maybe not us. We're more... Uh, Older fans, but so many people joined Red After True Colors. They got the experience of watching the whole show, you know, at their own pace. They could watch as many episodes as possible. And now they have to deal with one episode per week. So it probably feels a lot slower than it is to them, at least. Yeah. Just because they're not used to and even, this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue that the season was slow. Like, not, okay, maybe. Or sorry, like, it's not... taking so long for stuff to happen just because <laughs> it's, you know, week between each episode. Possibly. Because I think... Honestly, I like the pacing of this this season. I feel like, of course, there are things that could use work on some things, but I feel like a lot of the, ah, why isn't stuff happening, is overstated. Yeah, it's definitely... It's I feel like it's pretty yeah. similar to how Amphibia's always run. Yeah. But I think what surprised my... What, what was surprising for myself is that I wasn't. I'm not really concerned about Anne not mentioning Sasha and Marcy a lot. Like, I'm not as worried about that as I thought I would have been. Like, at the very maybe in like episode two, I was thinking, "Oh man, like is Anne gonna bring up Sasha and Marcy?" Blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, and the then ball. we're like, we're like, we're in six episodes in. I kind of don't really. I don't want to say I don't care about them. I just don't really care about what Anne thinks of <laughs> because because Sasha is like a control freak for Anne and then Marcy Isiki the uh Isekai them with without her consent. <laughs> and it's like yeah maybe Anne should, should have them in their mind for a bit. What? <laughs> maybe Damn. it's better to like focus yeah. on the good the good things. <laughs> because like yeah we, we still don't even fully know where Anne stands with them at this point. Like I know she said, oh, I'm going to make up with them, but, like, she... Anne hasn't really gotten a chance to slow down and just think about them, you know? Just, just think about it, everything that's happened to her. And, like, I don't know. I, I think... I, I still... I still believe we're going to get something with that, honestly. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, it's, it's impossible to avoid it once like, yeah, the, it, it's, the re-reunion yeah. the re-re-re-reunion yeah, it, it's, it's gonna come up sometime, but yeah I mean, I'm just and I, and I know the fandom's looking for an episode that just like 
directly tackles what happened in True Colors, but but I feel like I think I, we're I don't past know that point. Like, yeah, I, I I honestly feel like the new normal was supposed to be that. <laughs> like the more I think about it, I think the new normal was supposed to be one that really directly tackles everything that happened. And like I guess the problem is like it wasn't enough for people because, because I feel like with me, I'm just I'm just the type of guy to make something big out of something small. And so, like, when, when we really just got those two, like, I, I think, yeah, we, 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 I think we got about, like, three things that sort of tell me what to really, I, I think, like, I don't know how to put it, but, like, I don't know how to put this, but like, I, I know, like, I think the new normal, it, it satisfied me enough. I'm, I'm going to start off with that. And I know the beginning and end, it sort of sets up Anne's mood regarding through colors, right? Like, it, it, it messed her up, and she's just trying not to think about it, right? Like, that, that, that's sort of what's been going on with Ants. I mean, I guess that settles it for me. I mean, we got, like, fixing Frobo, right? Like, that's, it literally deals with Frobo's death and just how that affects Polly. So, I, I don't know. I mean, personally, I, I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm feeling fine with how True, with how true Colors has, has just been handled in Season 3. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe it's like True Colors wasn't setting up a new standard, but maybe it was just setting up a new. True Colors was mostly a new status quo rather than a new standard for the show. Like the show still has its same its same process, but it's just a new. It's just the consequences of the new norm of True Colors has just slowly leaked itself into like every ass every episode but not but not like the tone itself it hasn't changed the tone of the show yeah because hmm. I'm just trying to think yeah I don't hmm. and I guess you're right about that because I don't know because I mean it's I mean Amphibia is not the first show to have to deal with something like this right I mean like I don't want to make this a conversation about Avatar. Like, Avatar had, like, a super dark season finale for its second season. And then, like, its third season immediately started with an episode that, like, had something to say about that. And then we got, like, like, then we get, like, a, what, was, what was it? Like, a... A bunch of Iron Nation episodes. Yeah, but, but they were, like, sort of, like, goofy, right? Like, and I, I don't know what to say here. Because I don't know if people complain about that. But, like, I just think, like... I, I, honestly, I don't know what to say anymore. Like, I don't know like what to think about their points. I, mean, I, I just feel like the show's just been doing a good job so far with stuff here, and and I get the fact that like people are are feel unsatisfied that it hasn't turned into like this <laughs> grim character drama since True Colors. But like, I don't know, you know, like the show never like if there's anything I majorly changed, it's just like you said, right? Like a status quo change, like. Yeah, the show's guess, never been yeah. some big, gritty thing. I mean, after Reunion, it was a huge shift in, like, you know, this this girl just watched her friend almost try to kill herself. Yeah. But it was never going to make the show a big, gritty drama. I think it's the same thing with True Colors. It, it's still yeah. Amphibia, even if it's different status quo. Yeah, and I feel like right now, Season 3 is just handling, like, True Colors the same way Season 2 handled, like, Reunion, just like you said, like, it's still there. It's still something that happened, but there's just, there's not going to be an episode, because there was not a single episode in season two 
that tackled like the messed up stuff that happened. You know, like not at all. Instead of just like, all gonna so, build so, some yeah uh, no, yeah, yeah. that happens. Yeah, you know, talking about Toad Tower and the True Colors. Yeah. Like, we've got to wait until like all three of the girls are back together to really tackle that. Yeah, I guess gotta wait the, for that. The dinner kind of did tackle Toad Tower a little bit. Yeah, and I think see, <laughs> it sucks because like that means that, like I mean, the dinner was like what was it the second to last episode of season two, right? <laughs> so I think people, people are gonna have to <laughs> so people are gonna have to wait until like around then. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're gonna be crying about that, but um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just not. That's why I'm not. Like, I understand where these complaints come from, but I'm not like. That's why I can't agree with them. That, that that's like I can understand them. I can tell them, oh yeah, you know, your feelings are they're valid. Like, I, I can't look at their points and just say like, yeah, you're 100 percent right. Like, no, I I still feel like I don't know. I still feel like the way that Phoebe's been carrying itself has just been satisfying. In in conclusion, Frog Family Superior. <laughs> uh, what's the name of the school? Uh, St. James Middle School. Like St. James uh, Friends Inferior. <laughs> <laughs> Humans Inferior. Uh, what's a good bros before hose like spin we can do with this? Frogs before... No. Uh, no, I can't remember one. Planters before. Mm, I can't think of anything. Hmm. We'll we'll come up with something. Yeah, we'll we'll come up with something. Planters before. Hmm. Yeah, I I can't. I mean, I I can't think of anything. Oh, planters Planters before before traders. traders? (laughs) Uh, uh. I feel like we need something that just rhymes, like planters before. Damn, I, I we'll, hmm. we'll come up with something. I yeah, think, like we'll, we'll go look at time to. I think we can end end the night with okay. end the night on the high note of us not being able to think of a rhyme. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll come up. We'll, we'll come up with something better by next week, hopefully. <laughs> yes, I think with that, I think we can end tonight's recording. But I guess final thoughts. Um, Pickle, what are your final thoughts on both these episodes? Um, solid episodes. I'd, I'd give them both. They both really felt like 8 out of 10s. Love Mr. X. Can't wait to see more of him. Frigg's birthday. Uh, also, a sol- also a solid episode. Definitely, Sprig's birthday especially, this whole season, but Sprig's birthday especially, it's like, a, it's like a flashback to season 1, really getting into that, but with a, a new, more, a new, like, New paint over it with the the more developed characters and the different uh, the different setting. All right, thank you, pickle. Uh, pickle, uh, Nick. Any final thoughts on these episodes? Um, both were pretty good. Frog Show's done it again. Looking forward to the next week. <laughs> um, I mean, good developments again. Like I said before, I, I really did like Ant's motivation here in Sprig's birthday. It's going to be a nice... I think it's going to be one of those episodes where, like, when we get later down the season, we're going to be like, wow, they really planted the seeds for this all the way back then. Um, Mr. X, another great one. I like the, I like the introduction of Mr. X. Um, I, I really like how, while he's, like, really sassy, really, like, like you know, like that, he, but he's also, like, 
intimidating at the same time. I, I like the amphibia, like, really nails that. Um, no, so yeah. Oh, actually, I love the boon choice. Like, the fact that we get, like, actual, like, parents of a character and not just, like, dumb stereotypes, that's, that's super nice. So I think overall, like, again, like, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what the show's doing. All right, thank you, Nick. And yeah, overall, I, I enjoyed these episodes. Uh, Mr. X was a fun episode with like continuing the FBI plot. Uh, RuPaul was a interesting like voice, uh, interesting guest star. Hope we see him again. Uh, yeah, Spring's birthday was a really like probably like the most wholesome episode we've gotten in this series, and I I enjoyed the episode in that regard. Especially if it wasn't, it was more about Anne than Sprig. Uh, and yeah, I think these are both still solid episodes. And with that, I think we can. That concludes this week's uh, episode. Uh, we'll see you guys next week for Spider Sprig and Olivia Unit. And say goodbye, everyone. See you guys. Bye. See ya.